Right, so um, welcome to the podcast, Dougie McNaughton. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks very much. Good. Um, we are going to talk about swimming. Now, I, you know, I do admit that it is my favourite topic. <laughs> and we do have two podcasts already about swimming. Now, one was one that we did with Vicky when the pools opened up um, before. Um, and that's about getting back into swimming in general. And we also have a cold water podcast that we did um, with a girl from Aviemore, um, a coach from Aviemore. So just I will post links to those anyway. But Dougie and I, we are going to talk about um, getting back outside now. <laughs> Um, we are going to kind of talk about open water swimming at all levels, so not just beginners, but we'll cover the sort of intermediate and advanced um, swimmers as well, because I do think that's important for us to mention. We're going to talk about locations. Um, it is eight, about eight degrees in the lock, local locks at the moment, so it is still cold, so we will cover a bit of that as well. But Dougie, tell me a bit about you, your background, um, how long you've been with the club for, because you're a very familiar face, I think, within the club now. <laughs> What's your background? Uh, right, My background in terms of sporting is I did a little bit of rowing when I was at school, a little bit of basketball when I was at college, even although I'm not very tall. <laughs> And a little bit of rowing when I was in my early 20s. And other than that, it's been kind of hill walking and skiing. Yeah. And when we were on holiday abroad, swimming. Yeah. In the sea when it was nice and warm. <laughs> and uh, as I was getting a bit older, <clears throat> there were some people at work would go for a run at lunchtime and maybe go to the gym and things like that. Just to sort of, uh, with the kids growing up, find myself overweight, high blood pressure and needing to do some exercise. Yeah. And uh, there was then, and there was a series of events called Tri Adventure Challenges, hmm. which consisted of a swim in the morning, a mountain bike cycle at lunchtime, and a run in the evening. And I saw this up at Loch Lomond, and you could just enter the swim or yeah. just enter the run. And I thought, I quite fancy that. And then I thought, well, I'm cycling to and from work sometimes. So, and I'd been doing a wee bit of running. So why don't I just do the swim and do the run? Because some friends from work were doing that. And I could do the bike as well. So I didn't like the bike. I eventually did a couple of these events, fell off the bike, buckled, the, went over the handlebars, buckled the back wheel oh, no. uh, so that it wouldn't even turn in the frame. And I had to walk back to the end, holding the back of the bike up. So my main motive, and then somebody mentioned the Glasgow track. You know, I thought after doing a few of these, maybe I should find out about it. Because uh -huh. my swimming was a bit, quite strong breaststroke. I could swim front crawl for a distance, but my wife described it as, as I swam up the pool, I pushed a tidal wave in front of me. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll have seen that. You'll have seen that. I've seen it. <laughs> so I, I ended up joining the club really primarily because I wanted to open water swim. Mm -hmm. and the, the, But I I did cycle and I'll occasionally run. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally. So, so the, you know, I do enjoy certainly the cycling and the and the and the the swimming, Sorry. and I'll put up with some running. But what I really like is the people in the club and the people that I've met through the club. Yeah. And in a sense, that's why I'm still in the club. Still hanging about. <laughs> I, I then decided to do some coaching. Because yeah. I'd never be any good at events. 
I'm not dedicated or single-minded enough to, to do it. I don't really care mm -hmm. the events that I take part in. I don't care where I come. The only person I'm I'm uh, competing with is me. Yeah. You know, can I be a little faster or whatever? Um, so open water's always been something that I enjoy. Yeah. And I then started coaching, coaching for a while, and then when they split into performance grouping, um, <clears throat> the middle grouping, whatever they are called, and then the development uh, group, then I took on uh, one of the roles as development lead. Yeah. And over the years, I've encouraged quite a lot of people to both learn to do front crawl, mm -hmm. you know, coach them to do front crawl. And I've also helped a lot of people into open water swimming. Yeah. You know, Maggie Daroch, Beth Locker, you know, <laughs> to name, you know, but a few. Yeah. Um, you know, some some of whom are now really, really good swimmers. Excellent swimmers, yeah. We didn't do coaching of them because it, coaching of people open water swimming is really hard to do in terms of safety cover and things like that. So it was always this kind of informal, this is where you swim. If you're new, keep to this area. It's shallow. You can walk back. It was that sort of level of, of guidance. And that's that's a good level of guidance to get if you go, if you're starting open water, if you can get somebody that knows an area mm -hmm. and knows what's okay and make sure that people are swimming within their limits. Yeah. And I do enjoy that aspect of it. Sometimes it can be a pain if you want to go and do your own swim and there's three people turn up aren't very comfortable. You you'll 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 know this yourself. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's really that's really my background to it. And I suppose the only other thing is I a um I've got powerboat qualifications, <laughs> including commercial endorsement and safety boat qualifications. So I have provided safety boat for some swims. Yeah. Uh, including the club swim really swim of the length of Loch Lomond. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm a commercially endorsed, I've got a commercial endorsement, which allows me to drive power boats with passengers on it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, how long have you been a coach now for? Can you remember? Uh, oh. Forever. I really, I took up coaching because you thought if I want to stay involved with the club and I get an injury, then coaching's a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. So it was purely from a, a selfish perspective. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've probably been coaching for, I don't know, nine, eight, nine years now. Yeah. And you're such a good coach. Like, I really, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of the coaches, or all the coaches on the team would say I the think same coaches thing. coaches are fantastic. Uh, well, yes, yeah, they are. But I think we would all agree that it's really lovely to come and help you out in the development squad. Like, I know when we were open and I first became a coach, that was my favourite thing to do, was come on a Sunday night and help Dougie with the development squad. It's just, it's a real joy to uh, to be part of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I just love the development mm -hmm. folk because you get people coming along who can barely swim. Yeah. And as a result of that, from fairly simple things and giving them a bit of confidence, you can see them progressing really quite quickly and it's so satisfying. Yeah, that's great. And some, some people don't. There's one guy in particular, it took him six months and he came every week and it was as if he was fighting the water he was mm -hmm. punching the water rather than swimming yeah. but he kept at it and kept at it and he became my favorite pupil just because he was so consistent at doing it and he's now swimming comfortably i mean he's a fantastic runner and cyclist so yeah just being able to get out of the water in an event and he'll do well and it's such a joy to be part of that in a small way yeah that's, that's brilliant um well let's get cracking um 
on to talking about some things that we need to think about if we're going to start open water swimming. Um, I think we, if we start with beginners, um, and I do, I want to come at this from the angle of that we, we're a triathlon club and I'm assuming yeah. that any beginner open water swimmers listening to this have a triathlon in mind. Um, yeah. But let's let's go over the basics. Um, and I, I mentioned before that it is still cold. Um, yeah. It is, I think Abies was about seven or eight degrees this week. It is going to take a turn um, next week and get colder again. So the smaller lochs in and around Glasgow um, will still be very, very cold. Um, So that is just just one thing to bear in mind about when you're getting in. Um, But they will will quickly heat up. Um, But one of the most common um, questions I see asked, and I'm sure you get asked all the time, Dougie, is what, what do we need? What, like, before we even get in the water, what do we need to get in the water? Um, so maybe you could talk us through some of the things that people need well, to think about. Yeah, well, let me first declare, I love swimming, but if it's below 10 degrees, <laughs> I'm not going in, even with all of the gear, because <laughs> I'm a wimp as well. Uh, I, and That's I, not a wimp. That's sensible in my book, but uh-huh. it's but I know there's people like yourself and others that go swimming all year, no wetsuits, and it's <laughs> going to be above eighteen for me to get off, take off a wetsuit and swim. So uh, I'm I'm a firm believer in in using some of this kit that we can get. Well, um, why not? And and, and yeah. I was going to mention later, but I'll mention it now as well. It's just a reminder that wetsuits are generally compulsory in triathlon in scotland because the weather is very rarely the water temperature sorry is very rarely over 18 degrees um 15 and under they are compulsory and most races i have ever done in scotland have been 15 the scottish open water swim champs two years ago was 18 and i nearly melted in my wetsuit i must say but that's the closest i've ever come to being too hot in a a swim and and there's there's also a low a low limit which i think is 10 or 12 degrees um, 10 11 or 12 degrees for triathlons in scotland as well and it's sometimes difficult to you go along to events like in loch Tay, mm-hmm. and they say the temperature is 12 and you go in and you think mm-hmm. no it isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> but they've got to cancel if it's, 12, if it's under yeah. 12 don't they yeah. <laughs> yes no exactly yeah. um so that is that i just wanted to mention that now because the next question is wetsuits really i mean yeah. um that's where do people even start when it comes to buying a wetsuit I think the thing for me with wetsuits, uh, and one of the big advantages of being in the club, is you can ask people mm-hmm. what wetsuit they've got, and particularly if you choose someone that's roughly the same build as you, yeah, then that's a really good thing to do. And I think it's a particular problem for women, mm-hmm. and this is partly having talked to the guys at Lomo that are looking to get wetsuits manufactured, and they find it very difficult to get wetsuits of sufficient kind of range yeah i don't know whether females have a bigger range of body shapes than guys maybe Uh, you know guys will tend to have broader shoulders and narrower shoulders Mm -hmm. and a big gut or not a big gut but everything else is much much of a muchness yeah whereas you get some women who are much bigger around the hips and much smaller upper bodies and and uh, and you know a whole it seems to be a whole much wider range yeah that and that seems to i know that they're having difficulties sorting out what sort of how they actually get their sizing for female wetsuits it's so hard Um, i've got an orca and a voca and the difference in their shape is so pronounced um and my rocker was really expensive and 
I really hate it. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's really tight on the upper body. And I think, why would you make a, a wetsuit tight on the upper body? Because most swimmers have got broad shoulders. But, you know, maybe yeah. they're, I don't know. Who knows what well, their logic well, some, is. I mean, there's, there's a woman I worked with for years and she was small. And she had quite a narrow upper body and she had quite big hips. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was she was a runner and quite a good runner. But just the way she was built. And you think, you know, that's a very different shape from... Your shape, for example, uh-huh. you know, coming from a swimming background. Yeah. And if I wanted to get a shape, a, a wetsuit for her, it would have to be a very different shape than from you. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, but for, for me, the fundamental thing is fit in a wetsuit. Yeah. You know, and whether it's a really expensive one or a really cheap one, it almost doesn't, it doesn't matter. As it's comfort, isn't it? It should be swimming specific. I started swimming in a surface sport wetsuit. Yeah. Oh no, don't go there. It's one no. that keeps you in. It keeps you arms wide and legs wide. Yeah. Unless you actually fight it, it's not good at all. And on the water rather yeah. than in the water. So, so for me, the the fundamentals are wetsuit, goggles, bright hat for triathlons. Yeah. For general swimming, a toe float. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would then supplement that with. A neoprene hat mm-hmm. for colder weather. Yeah. Neoprene socks for colder weather. Mm-hmm. And neoprene gloves if it's below 10 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> and to, to be honest, I have a lot of friends that swim all year round in gloves and socks in Scotland. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, because it is, but, they just get cold. Yeah. My, my order for taking these off as the water gets warmer is gloves off first because I don't really like wearing them. Yeah. Uh, and then socks off and then neoprene hat. Yeah. That makes uh, sense. You know, is, is the way I would go. I think one of the things that's important to think about with the toe float mm-hmm. um, is the toe float, you'll see it written on it, it is not a life-saving device. Yeah. It's not designed as a life-saving advice. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally designed to make you visible to other people. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on Loch Lomond, being someone that drives powerboats, mm-hmm. Uh, particularly if you get one where people are in boats with screens, they're in a cabin, you don't really see, you're not looking out for something the size of a head in the water. Yeah. So a bright hat, uh, but the toe float makes you visible, particularly if the toe float's moving. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. It's so essential. We um, we you know, yeah. Abe's since lockdown started, Abe's has been absolutely coaching, as you can imagine. Like it's so busy with swimmers, but yeah. the amount of times they swim into people because they can't see them because there's no toe float or they're not wearing a yeah. bright cap. It's just yeah. it is it is hard to see in the water. So a toe yeah. float, and with a with um your um a contact name and number of an emergency contact is yeah, a good that's idea. That's a good idea. Well. The the one thing I've supplemented with the toe floats that I got for the women into open water swimming mm-hmm. event that we ran is I supplemented them with by adding a whistle to them. Ah, perfect. Because I thought actually if you're swimming alongside somebody, you, you're not really paying attention. You might go five minutes before you have a look to see where they are yeah. or much longer. Yeah. Um, so the idea of having a whistle that's attached to the outside of the toe float to me is sensible. It's quite hard to tie them on and then not become unravelled and disappear in the yeah. these little whistles you can get are really cheap. Well, that's a good idea, so and you, you, you can't hear either when you're when you're with somebody and you're shouting. No, but you, you stand a chance with a whistle. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that is one thing that I never swim without. Actually, is earplugs. I've always got earplugs in. All oh, right. Um, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I don't like having water in my ears, but all my friends yeah. do as well. So we have these comedy <laughs> comedy discussions <laughs> in the middle of Loch Arras where we're like, what, yeah. what, what? <laughs> the, the, yeah. The, the other thing I'd recommend with tow floats is don't just go for a float, go for the tow float bag. Yes. It's got a waterproof uh, bag inside mm-hmm. it. It's very handy for your car keys. Yeah. Uh, if you're going for a longer swim, uh, telephone. Yeah. I always put the telephone, a mobile phone, inside another waterproof bag inside the tow float because yeah. even though the tow float is supposed to be waterproof, you never know. phones are very expensive. Yeah. It, it can also be used for snacks yeah. and long swims, and I have also used it for a very lightweight pair of shoes when I was swimming around an island and I thought, if I get to the far side of this and I'm knackered, yeah. With a little pair of shoes, I can walk across the island and then swim back to the shore. <laughs> that makes it sense. Was, yeah, it was 5K around the island, so yeah. we're talking about um, we're talking about a, a reasonable length of swim. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love my toe float, although it's starting to, it's starting to get holes in it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, toe float. And, and the, the thing about the neoprene hat as well is just to remember that that should be really brightly coloured as well because it really or, does or, help. Or a, or a neoprene hat. Mine's black, but I would always wear a very brightly coloured hat yeah. uh, over the top of it. And uh-huh. when I get rid of the neoprene hat, I will have the brightly coloured. So blue is not bright blue is not a good colour. No. Actually, white isn't a good colour. Nope. Uh, because of the because of potential waves and things like that. So fluorescent yellow. Yeah. Bright orange. Pink. Even red's not that great. Pink. Yeah. I don't think I've got a pink one. I think I need to get one. Green's no. not ideal. No. <laughs> Fluoro green, green you might get away with. Yeah. Maybe I, sh- I think I should get a pink hat. I don't I have think one. So, I've got Dougie. all the other colours. Well, it's time. It's time for a yeah, change. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing just before we move on I wanted to touch upon about Kit as well something that Don talked about in our Christmas episode and that's just about um, the ability to buy wetsuits etc second hand and how it's, um, it's actually really easy although at the moment because wet swimming has become so popular it's become a little bit harder um, yep. but a second hand is an option and no you might not get the perfect fit but you'll probably get a rough roughly the correct yeah. fit and it will not cost you 300 pounds it'll cost you 50 quid yeah um, so that is something to check out as well i think but yeah when the shops open try them on I, I think the other thing that's useful to know is i mean there's two shops in glasgow that there's two places that do wetsuits there's lomo that do wetsuits yeah which are under 100 quid and the wetsuit i've got now is a lomo wetsuit i had a fancy hub that i got a few years ago and while it was quite nice to swim in uh, it I find I found that it it, it ripped and it perished. Uh-huh. It might it might be because I went for uh, as one of the club members, Lynn Coyer, said when I spoke to her about it. I said there were two sizes I could go for. It was the one <laughs> that I knew would definitely hit fit me, and the the other one was the and she said the aspirational size. <laughs> <laughs> so you went. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Lynn Coyer. <laughs> But but the 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 two places right sports which might, were in Giffnock might now be in East Kilbride, they allow you to hire it for a price and mm-hmm. if you then buy it, they they just charge you the additional cost to buy it yeah to buy the wetsuit and that's quite a good deal. Lomo let you they have some higher wetsuits yeah and they're relatively cheap to hire, and that at least. That at least lets you 
try one on, try mm-hmm. swimming in it, let you see if it's something you fancy. Yeah. The clubs still have a few wetsuits that I've got, but they're not they're getting a bit past it. We don't have a big range of sizes. Mm-hmm. So the relative cheap cost of hiring from Lomo or if you quite like the right sports ones, you can hire them. Yeah. And then just pay the additional amount if you think it's something you're going to use. Mm-hmm. So these are good deals. I don't know if you can do that with some of the other wetsuits. But, I mean, to be honest, the, when I first started, the cheapest wetsuit was about 200 quid. And you can now get a reasonable swimming wetsuit for about 100 quid. Yeah. And you could always, even if you think, well, it's not the right one for me, you'd be able to sell it on to somebody in the club probably for yeah. 50, 60 quid. Yeah, well, and at the moment, um, these these things are selling uh, a lot and for more money than they used to sell for just because of yeah. demand yeah, at the moment. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so let's, we're still kind of aiming um, this section at beginners. So let's talk about the differences, um, like from pool swimming and issues that can arise when you get into yeah. the water <laughs> panic yeah, I mean, ah. well pan- panic is panic is a really is a really good one but i mean the the things i've got listed is dark bottom yeah even in fairly shallow water you can sometimes have a dark bottom mm-hmm. uh, no line in the pool no line like you have in a pool to direct you it's, it's deep yeah there's beasties and weed <laughs> you know direction and distance yeah. There's an aspect of safety. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned panic. There's also another thing which is cold water shock. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you will probably not have experienced cold water shock for many years because you swim all year. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a program they talked about if you get over cold water shock, it will last you for about 15 months. Okay. As long as you're not going into much colder water. Uh-huh. Interesting. Now, now, I've seen people get cold water shock in 14 degrees wearing a wetsuit. Yeah. Because the other thing that people need to remember is when you get into the water in a wetsuit, it takes time for that water to get into the wetsuit and warm up. So for me, quite often, the first five, ten minutes is quite cold. Yes. And then the wetsuit soaks up some water and begins to warm up. The other thing, going into the water with wetsuit socks on, mm-hmm. wetsuit socks this doesn't feel cold. Uh-huh. Wetsuit up the legs, that doesn't feel cold. Mm-hmm. Wetsuit up to the crotch, that doesn't feel cold. It then gets in the zip at the back. Ah! Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know if I want to be in here. Uh-huh. Or your face. I always, and this is my best ever tip for getting in the water, is always splash your face before you get in so you know how it's going to feel when you put your head under. So long before, even before I get my bum in, because that's, that's always a bad area, getting the bum in. Uh, if you um, yeah, splash your face with cold water, that tends to just give you a bit of an idea of what to expect and set no, I, I don't. breathing. <laughs> I don't. It might be too cold. It's <laughs> okay. But I think one of the things about it is my experience of seeing people in cold water shock, and I've had it as well, Mm -hmm. you tend to only get it when you put your head under the water. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, to me what happens is the reflex is that you you, you end up gasping, Mm -hmm. and what you're doing is you're breathing in, breathing in, breathing in, breathing in. And if I've been with people who have experienced it, what you do is you get them to focus on breathing out. Okay. And, and blowing out quite hard because to me what happens is they they don't breathe out so the their lungs are full mm-hmm. they end up with all the oxygen in their lungs kind of uh, used up mm-hmm. and I think you can actually go into it's almost like a faint uh-huh. 
And because they say that people that drown, a lot of people that drown, drown in the first three minutes, and that's cold water shock that does yeah. that. Yeah. But if you get them to bring their head up over the surface, concentrate on breathing out, mm-hmm. uh, put their head back in again, if it happens again, and I've been with people who have taken a couple of weeks to overcome it. Mm-hmm. But then once they once they'd overcome it, that that was fine. They didn't actually get it, you know, at all yeah. in the subsequent weeks that they were swimming. So it's something to be aware of without yeah. worrying too much. But it's where you need to give yourself time and don't think, right, I'm going to swim and I'm heading straight across that log. Yeah, you just need to and get get in slowly. Take your time getting in. Get used to how yeah. the water feels. Yeah, and, um, and if you're with somebody else, check in that first couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. That everybody's okay. Yeah. Because that's when problems are likely to arise. Yeah. 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 Um, we've we've written down in your notes here, Dougie, as well, about after drop. Um, yeah. Which we did. So we covered that in the Cold Water Swim podcast, right. but it is just something that, yeah, we should go over again. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's after drop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert. I, I've exp- I've experienced it, but I don't really know what it is and what you, what's best to do about it. So I, I'm here to learn this this particular bit because I have experienced it, but I don't really know what I should be doing to fix it. After drop, most people I think who swim in Scotland will um will be aware of of what it feels like because it's when you know it's when you get out of the water and your core, as far as I believe, your core body temperature keeps keeps on getting colder um, because it takes time to warm up. So you might think that you've got out and you're warm or you're not too cold, but actually you just keep getting colder and colder because your core body temperature is still dropping. Um, so it's like the main signs of after, after drop are shivering. Um, and that's t- totally normal. Like your, That's your body's way of heating up, so don't be worried if you're shivering, shaking, chattery teeth. Um, I have had it to the point of being mildly hypothermic, I'd probably say maybe three or four times in my life, um, certainly where I've just stayed in too long and I've got gotten I've gotten out and I've had the after drop and it's been bad, but I think what I know it's really bad when I get very, very tired after and very sleepy and drowsy and that's definitely happened at, at least three times I can think of in my life. Um, but yeah, the, the the one thing you should never do is just go and jump in a hot shower. You want to warm up slowly. So um, get as many layers on as you possibly can. Put a hat on if you've got one, hot water bottle, blankets, get in the car, put the heater on and just warm up really slowly, a warm drink. Um, but I, I personally, again, don't think after drop is anything really to worry about. It's just mm. something that happens when you get cold and it's normal, especially in Scotland. Um, don't yeah. fight don't fight the shivering. You know, you need to, you need to no. shiver to warm yourself up. So, I, I think it's maybe something that happens a bit more with people who are swimming all year. I mean, the only time I've really kind of experienced what I would call that was one time I was swimming in Loch Lomond. It was about 13, 14 degrees maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd parked in the car park at Loch Lomond Shores rather than uh, and went into the wee beach rather than just the car park at the slipway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had a longer walk out. And it was leisurely because it was a nice evening and both of us ended up really cold. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was because it took us longer to get back to the car where our kit was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main 
thing I experienced was shivering as I was, which you sometimes get changing, but it was worse than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, not able to keep at a constant speed because my mm-hmm. foot was shivering on the accelerator. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a good tip though. Don't drive when you're suffering from the effects of aftershock. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as bad as I'm saying. It was, I was just conscious of a little shiver in my, in my, in my accelerator foot. I genuinely, um, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I have sat in car parks for half an hour to an hour waiting yeah. to drive home again because yeah. I'm too cold. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, but it's just something to be aware of. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think the other thing for me that's important when people start swimming, uh, particularly wearing a wetsuit, and we, we, we touched on this idea of panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I mean, you, you'll know a big Neil Smith mm-hmm. in the club and he's a really strong swimmer. He's a comfortable swimmer. And he will get, he'll just get, he's told me he'll get kind of occasionally a random panic. Yeah. Even now swimming for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. It'll just come on him. Yeah. Um, I have seen him kind of do it once and he, he can deal with it fine. But one of the things that's really useful to know about with wetsuits is they make you quite buoyant. Yeah. So one of the things that I recommend with people when they first go into the water with a wetsuit to open water swim is you've almost got to treat your first few attempts as like being like a kid again and just playing around with it. Mm-hmm. But if you turn onto your back, stretch your arms out and stretch your feet out, you will float. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything at all. You don't have to tread water. You don't have to exert any energy. And just doing that can help you just relax and realize that if I get into any difficulty in any shape or form, Mm -hmm. if I go onto my back, I will float and get people to physically do that a few times. Yeah. It can be quite fun after you swim a few hundred meters to lie in your back, close your eyes. Yes. Yeah. It's better. It's better than being drunk. It's lovely. I know. I like it. Yeah. I (laughs) I do it all the time. I end up feeling as if I'm sort of sliding off sideways at times and things like that. It's quite, it's quite, I, I really like the feeling. Therapeutic. Or just lying looking at the clouds. Uh-huh. No, I agree. Um, but I think like, I think talking about panic though, um, I can hear the sirens going past. Yeah, there's a police car just going to carry Uh-oh. me down our road. Yeah. Come to get it you. It wasn't me. <laughs> Um, I would say, like, uh, you know, I've swam my whole life. I've swam outside my whole life. I've raced. I've done a lot of events, I think, where I'm alone a lot, you know, alone in the middle of the loch a lot. And I do, we'll cover this maybe later, but I do swim alone sometimes as well. Um, And I think I do still always get worried about things. I worry about seeing a dead body. Um, e- eels, I hate eels. Um, I see Same them. Have yeah. seen a dead body? Oh, unfortunately, honestly, I don't want to know about it. You know, and you just see, you see a bubble sometimes from from where you put your yeah. hand in, and I think, oh my god, what's that? Uh, and you know, I, I I still panic. I think, and I think we all get it. We all, especially when it's you know, you're looking down at darkness. Touched by a weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend, in fact, Don at the club, uh, Don does not like weeds and Abies is full of weeds. So you always know <laughs> you always know when she's touched a reed. Sorry, Don. You can hear it even through your earplugs. Even through my earplugs, yeah. But you know, I think that and that is natural because we're not yeah. used to we're not used to looking at the bottom of water or into yeah. the darkness very often. We don't do it very often. So, uh, no. So yeah, I think it's normal to have these thoughts. I, I think you're right, and that's why I think it's important to know that actually flipping onto your back 
you can float you don't need uh-huh. to do anything you can let your breathing return to normal you can yeah you can just you have can a wee chill out yeah the, the the other thing that i found to be really important when people start open water swimming is one of the things that's really important to teach people when they come along to the development group is to focus on breathing out mm-hmm. because we we quite often find when people swim if they can swim two lengths front crawl quite well and they're then dead Mm-hmm. quite often it's they haven't breathed out at all <laughs> uh, and when people get over that they're okay in the pool and they then go into open water swimming you, they don't breathe out yeah Forget. so you've actually got to get people to and, and most people when they go in i encourage them to really focus and when they go into cold water to really focus on breathing out when they're swimming because yeah. you your natural tendency when your head's in the water is not to breathe out yeah. It seems crazy to breathe out when your head's underwater. And you're trying to keep all the oxygen in. Yeah, so so I think naturally we don't, so we actually have to mm-hmm. have to do that. My favorite story about breathing out, uh, teaching to people to breathe out, we noticed that one of the guys in the club wasn't he was a good swimmer. He was faster than me over a hundred meters. Mm-hmm. I was at one point slightly faster than him over longer distances. We noticed he didn't breathe out in the first two lengths. <laughs> so we, so he was in oxygen deficit at the end of that uh-huh. two lengths, which is probably why I swam faster than him for slightly longer. Yeah. So we to teach him to breathe out. What's what's his job? He's a doctor and uh-huh. a chest specialist. <laughs> So if we have to teach chest specialists to breathe out, uh-huh. then it's understandable yeah. we have yes. to teach mere mortals Everybody. to breathe out. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good um, reminder as well, just what we've said already about getting in slowly. I think when you're first getting into open water swimming, it can be very overwhelming on your senses. Yeah. And you've got, oh my God, it's cold. You're excited. You're nervous. You're terrified. As people are talking to you, there's chatter going on. You're getting in. It's freezing. You're like, oh my god. Um, and people can, are going, hey, hey, let's go over there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. an island. Um, so I think yeah. like it's that is a good reason to take it really slowly. Getting in, like, spend some time getting used to the water, and as you say, lying on your back, having a wee paddle, but head up, breaststroke before you start thinking. Right, okay, yeah. I want to swim 100 meters or 300 meters in this locker, yeah. it, however far you're going. And 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 then when you're swimming a distance, swim along a shoreline. Yes. So yeah. if there's a problem, you can get. In, you don't need to be in really shallow water, but you can get to it quickly. Yeah, and it's easy to sight as well. Um, when you're yeah. going along a shoreline, it's much easier yeah. to sight, isn't it? Um. Okay. So. Cool. Where, where to start? Where, <laughs> let's say we've we've got our wetsuit, we've got our new goggles and our toe float, and we have decided that we're not scared of beasties and weeds in the water. <laughs> then, how do you know? How do you know until you've tried it? <laughs> where do we? I go? mean, for for me, there's three places to learn open water swimming. Mm-hmm. The first one's in the pool. Yeah. And you can do that by swimming in close proximity with other people. And through the club, we will do sessions like that. Mm-hmm. The idea of sighting, it's a bit false in pools, but even just getting the idea of that. Yeah. Swimming close to somebody. We have had things where we've encouraged swimmers to interfere with another swimmer just to see what happens. Yeah. One of my favourite recollections was two guys, Big Bruce and another guy who's no longer with the club in the pool in Lanzarote. Mm-hmm. They were told to sort of try and interfere with one another as they swam up the pool. They ended up underwater for at least 75% of a 50-metre pool and ended both not able to do anything for laughing. That's hysterical. Um, but uh, And it's not that we want people to 
to foul or do anything with other swimmers, but we want people to know how to react to it happening. Mm-hmm. Because you don't go, oh, I'm getting away. You can swim. If somebody's swimming too close to you, just swim slightly more wide-armed. Yeah. You know, so that you're not giving ground to, you know, to anybody. If anybody's doing anything to you, then, you know, a lot of the time we wear black wetsuits in dark water. Mm-hmm. You bump into people you don't even know are there. Yeah. You know, particularly at Turnboys. Yes. Uh, big, and big triathlons where there's a lot of a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. Hundred and hundred plus swimmers in the water at the time. Yeah. You say go and you go. Yeah. I stay to the side and let everybody get out the way and then enjoy my swim. <laughs> but even then you bump into people. Yeah. Bump into people all the time just by mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so there's things in the pool. For me there's then two clear divisions in where you swim. Mm-hmm. One is do you do it through a formal coached route mm-hmm. into open water swimming? Uh, and do you do it where the safety cover put in place? Um or do you go with other swimmers, no safety cover? Yeah. Now, when I say no safety cover, I mean no kayaks, someone looking out specifically from a safety point of view, no yeah. safety boat. Yeah. So in a triathlon, there is there is kayak cover, there is safety boat cover. Yeah. Uh, and I've done kayak cover and powerboat safety cover for triathlons as well. <laughs> so they're very different things. We're hugely fortunate that we've got Pinkston available to us. Yes. It's not a place I particularly like to open water swim because I like swimming out in the environment. I like in locks and places that are a bit wild. Pinkston to me is just a great big swimming pool with no lines on the bottom of it. (laughs) But it is good because it's deeper, Mm -hmm. it's dark, it's cold, at least early in the season. You'll be with other swimmers. But we can provide safety cover really easily, so we can coach there without a huge uh, imposition on a coaching and safety cover staff. So, for example, we can cover Pinkston with two coaches and one safety person. Yeah. When we did the women into open water swimming and we took them to Loch Lomond, we required three coaches, three three kayaks, so that's six people. Yeah. Plus the logistics of getting kayaks there. Do the coaches swim or do they paddleboard or kayak as well? You know, it's yeah. it's it's complicated mm-hmm. when you do that and hugely time consuming with risk assessments and uh-huh. emergency action plans. I mean, it, I, I worked out I worked out at one point the hours it took us to sort out the women in open water swimming, not just the coaching time but the rest of it, and it was it was a f- 10, 12, 14 hours of time to actually get it all sorted. Yeah. In fact, more than that, because I did a trip down to find out whether we could get an ambulance to emergency <laughs> access point, you know, sort of <laughs> down by Loch Lomond. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so for me, if you're concerned at all, you can certainly get the cold water, the dark water, mm-hmm. deep swimming with others, all at Pinkston, and we can provide safety cover for that very yeah. easily. And open some of the coaches in the club, um, anyone who I think is level two and above now, um, can take you out, you know, for private lessons as well, if that's the route you want to go down, if you'd prefer yeah. like that sort of one-to-one. That's, um, that's still quite difficult for us to do as coaches because of the... yes. Because of, you know, should we have safety cover? What's the water quality? What's our emergency action plan? So, yes, you can do it one-to-one, but we tend to do, I mean, all of the swims that that are arranged via the club site. Yeah. You know, there's a few people meeting at Place X. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we're all going to swim, so we don't want any newbies or, you know, you can come along and we'll point you at what we might do. Yeah. But we use the Open Water Swimming Society guidelines, which is personal responsibility yeah. because we have to. I mean, at one point, Sean said, if you go in open water swimming on a Wednesday night in Loch Lomond, see Dougie. <laughs> and I'm going, no. Yeah. You know, you can't because that then makes me responsible. Yeah. <laughs> And I then need to have an emergency action plan. What's my safety cover? What's my, yep. you know, what do we do? Where's my evacuation to meet the formal requirements is a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but if people want to turn up and they're happy in their wetsuit and they've maybe got a pal or they've met somebody else in the club or we can put them together with somebody uh-huh. down there and we're saying, right, we're going to go and do that. Yeah. If you go over there, the water's generally shallow. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, but you need to make a decision as to whether that's because it's shallow, it might be slightly weedy. Yep. If you go deeper, it's less likely to be weedy. Yep. And you and you can walk back if there's a problem. So you can provide appropriate guidance to them and get them to buddy up with somebody else and they can keep an eye on one another. So we can do that. But if you say, right, I'm gonna go open water swimming, where do I go? Yeah. I don't recommend that you do it without somebody with you. No. And it can be somebody of the same level of experience, but be sensible, stay close to the shore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like if you, well, I suppose that's more, we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute, but intermediate and advanced. Um, but yeah, um, one thing I wanted to say as well was just to try, if you, when you are starting out, if you do have triathlons and goals in mind, then try and get in once a week as well, just to keep your acclimatization because it does fade. I developed yeah. a weirdly developed an allergy, a, a cold urticaria this year after I think after having COVID or at least having steroids after having COVID, um, and all of a sudden I was getting really ill after swimming. Uh, without a wetsuit when it got to about five degrees and I was getting into my sw- <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying don't that's not laugh. surprised from my point of view no but I was <laughs> I getting <laughs> I was getting ill I was getting a fever and a rash um, like like sort of burns all over my skin almost um, and yeah uh, so yeah I, I can't even remember what my point was <laughs> You were saying just try and try and do it once a week to try yeah, and make try sure and... that there are no problems arising. Yeah, exactly. And you're, yeah, you're familiar so, with it. And but yeah, and so because because I've had to stop, I had to stop in December because of that. Um, I still could swim in a wetsuit, but um, now all of all, you know my tolerance is gone now, and it was gone yeah. very quickly within a couple of weeks. It really it really did diminish. Yeah. So just bear that in mind. Like if you're getting in and it is cold and you want to keep doing it, then like do try and and make the effort to go once a week. Um, I mean, my, my my comment would be once you start open water swimming, unless you've got a serious problem, why wouldn't you carry on doing it at least once a week? Yeah. You know, swimming in Loch Lomond with, you know, as you, as you turn to breathe, you see up the length of Loch Lomond and Ben Lomond. Yeah. You know, if it's swimming in, in, in the White Loch, a sunset coming in over the, over the little kind of cut in the hills yeah uh, you know it's 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 just such a joy swimming in pelting rain with the water stoking yes. two inches off the surface of the water it's fantastic that's my dream and then and then swimming in swimming in waves you know, swimming in swimming in waves where at one part of your swim you will have the waves behind you yeah and even in a lock you can almost get a little bit of a surf on it uh-huh it's not necessarily nice swimming into it, but, no. to get there, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's people in the club that I've spoken to who have been not happy about swimming, and I've said, 
yeah, you might be, you might feel like this just now, but at some point in the future, this will be one of your favourite parts of the, you know, yeah, of your of your year. Yep. Um, and with lots of people, that's how it's turned out. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's say that you are relatively confident. You've been swimming for a few years, or you can you can swim very confidently in a pool, and you're pretty used to open water swimming. Then, um. Then what should we do? So thinking about like people coming in the next few weeks, and especially as lockdown starts to lift and we can get a bit further afield to yep. Loch Lomond and and others, um, like what what should we be thinking about? And it about? gets warmer. And, and it, it gets, gets warmer. warmer. <laughs> for me in particular, I know. Yeah. Not so. I, well, I doesn't even register. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. For for a lot of people, I actually think you. I would. I would be wary about suggesting to people unless they are. Um enjoy extreme challenges like yourself i would be wary about encouraging them to try open water swimming in cold water mm-hmm. because you want people to enjoy it yeah you know so but you know you're saying abies is eight that's mm-hmm. not that long until it's potentially 10 the white lock is maybe a little higher it's got it might be a little colder yeah um but uh, yeah but Pools will reopen, I think, are going to be reopening as well. Yep. So, so hopefully re- we'll get some swims in and pools and then open water. Yes. For people like yourself. For, and there's some people really like cold water. Well, yes. That's uh, fine. Yeah, but I, th- I think the, the, kind of the aim of this podcast is more for people who don't really like cold water. And yeah, but, 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 but I, think the rules, I think the rules are the same no matter whether you like cold water or you yeah. don't. Because what's cold to you is... What's cold to me is probably hot to you. Well, yes. So, but it's still cold to me, and so I have to go through the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but I think I suppose what I what I really wanted to say um, for for the more intermediate and advanced people who haven't been swimming over winter and are starting yeah. to think about getting in, then yeah. do use the first few swims as acclimatization swims. It will be yeah. very tempting to go right. I'm going to go and do my usual. 2k or 3k whatever yeah. it might be but i would strongly suggest that the, the first two or three swims are just a splash about getting used to the temperature because it, even if you go in may it'll still be 12 13 depending how yeah. april goes in terms of weather um you know so you're not used to it yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah um and just just be careful about getting out before you're get cold as well i think yeah. that's really important to say just be a bit mindful um but one thing i see time and time again dougie and one thing i am 100 percent guilty of is going for a lovely swim and just getting in and going oh this is lovely and having a nice swim and maybe it'll be 2k maybe it'll be 10k that day who knows <laughs> but what i never do because i can't be bothered is intervals strength training drills <laughs> and actually <laughs> we still need to do those when we get into the open water don't we yeah, I mean, there's a tendency to say these are things for the pool. When I go swimming, <laughs> I'm just going to swim a distance. And to some extent, if you're still doing your pool swimming, that's okay. Yeah. But during an actual triathlon event, you will at times want to put in a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. You will want to do that. So as a minimum, you should be repeating some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can do things, you know, you could do things like take a, a space hopper and a little weight along and actually practice 
uh, doing turns round boys if you wanted to with a couple yeah. of pals. Or get your but pals. Doing something. Yeah, or get your pals to stand and do it. Yeah. But it's actually easy. You know, a, a bit of string, a little weight and a space hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the advantages of not a very heavy weight, if it's windy, yeah, you may find that the space hopper moves, so you definitely need to sight. Otherwise, you will not find it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Of, yeah. I was going to say, we were in an event once, and I think it was City to Summit, and um, so it was an Ironman distance, and uh, Chris, my partner, was doing it as well, and he said he was, Chris is not really, he's not really a fan of swimming, um, and he said that they actually told him and the sort of last the three people to stop swimming and go back to shore because their float had become untethered and was floating away. <laughs> so Chris, poor Chris, and these people who were a bit, you know, less confident at the swim yeah. were having to, were, they'd just been swimming for ages and this thing had just been getting further and further away from them. So, yeah, yeah. that does happen. <laughs> yeah, Alan Anderson did that in one of the events. He organised a triathlon at Loch Lomond. And uh, I think he ran out of time. Surprise, surprise! And uh, they put one of the boy, they put the boys in in the morning. Yeah. And one of them wasn't quite on the bottom. And somebody's comment was, "He says, um, I know my swimming isn't the strongest, but it's the first time I've ever been overtaken by a by a marker boy." <laughs> <laughs> and Alan's comment was, "You get free entry for next year." Oh, that's <laughs> for fair. that comment. <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> Well, sometimes at Pinkston we'll put in, you know, we'll put in boys for people to swim around so they need to sight yeah. and don't put them in a rectangle. But we sometimes put a boy in that's effectively not tethered to the bottom so that it does float in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I really struggled early on in triathlon was um, overtaking. Um, I remember being yeah. in, in the London triathlon a couple of times and being boxed in by people and being very frustrated by it. Um, yeah. But I didn't have the power in me to overtake them. I knew I could swim steadily faster, but I also knew the amount of effort it would take me to get past them was too much. And so I do think practicing speed work is a really good idea. And you don't need to, you know, you don't need to go up and down Abyss like it's a lane and stop yeah. at the end, but just add some power, like add some sort of acceleration drills in. I really like to do just, you know, when you're in the middle of the loch, just do an extra 10 or 20 um, strokes faster. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's a really good idea. Is the tendency when we set off, you know, I, I know that I'm kind of guilty of this. When you set off, you've had a wee break for you know a minute or something like mm-hmm. this, and you set off and you 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 know you've been swimming for 10, 15 minutes and you set off again. You think this is really good. This feels really powerful and mm-hmm. fast, and then you lose it over the piece. Yeah, and it's quite good to do well. Try and do the opposite. I'm going to try and swim really slowly to start with. Yeah, and over the course of the next leg, three hundred, four hundred meters, I'm actually going to try and increase the power through the stroke uh, yeah. as you're going. So it's just about varying that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's really good to practice, as well as getting boxed in, and what do you do is is drafting on somebody's feet, drafting in somebody's uh, hips. Yeah, and just practice all of that and try and work out what suits mm-hmm. i mean i'm not a fan of drafting in somebody's hip no i'm not because if they move in the wrong direction then you can't yeah. you can't you know if they move to the left and you need to be going to the right you can't get out of the way easily whereas if you're on their feet and they go wrong yeah it's much easier but it sometimes works yeah uh, and uh, so so doing things like that but yeah varying your speed i think is really important and one thing dealing with Oh, different conditions going deliberately into 
uh-huh. different conditions in the sea is important. Choppy. I, I mean, I hate the chop. I must say, I really hate choppy weather. weather I but like it. I know I you're like crazy. It. You're crazy. Um, mm. But it's a good. It's good to practice because you never know what conditions are going to be like, especially not for Scottish races. And I think this year most of us will be doing Scottish races. I'm afraid to say. I think that's, I think that's right. Um, the one that comes to mind is Gullen. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. There's a Gullen. There's a there's a number of people one year didn't get off the beach because oh, they couldn't get through the waves. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know there's a technique for getting through waves. Is that to go under them? Yeah, a wave has a circular motion in it. Mm-hmm. So if instead of trying to go over the top where it's beating you back, if you dive down, the the water will actually carry you through the wave. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good tip. So there's, there's, there's a variety of things like that. that um, yeah. Starman. Clay potters, Starman. Clay potters waves are great. What are they? Well, if you get waves hitting a wall and... Re- we were we were doing a swim at Ely and there uh-huh. was like two foot waves coming into the beach mm-hmm. and that was okay. When we got out beyond the harbour wall, these two foot waves were hitting the harbour wall, bouncing off and you then get an interference between the waves being reflected off the wall oh, and the geez. waves coming in. So you get these pyramid shaped waves that <laughs> form and collapse really fast. So you will turn to breathe and drop four feet oh, as you turn to breathe or rise up four feet. Oh, and once you get into the way of it, you sometimes have to just stay in that breathing position mm-hmm. for your head to come clear of the water before you start the next bit of your stroke. It's it's um, very strange being moved up and down four feet as rapidly oh, as that's quite... That would but, make me sick. But... Mark Cohen loved it. I loved it. And Fiona Vaughan was, I am never, ever swimming here again, ever in my life. I think I'm with Fiona on that one. I get seasick though, but that's the difference between you and me, Dougie, because you're, you're, you've got your sea legs and I am a fish. Well, I'm not made for I, on top of the water. Yeah, I can I can get seasick as well. Really? But, uh, you can definitely get disorientated. Ugh. And it's, yeah. Um, but, but it's just these different, I mean, it's one of the fun of swimming outside is the different environment that you're in, the different conditions. I mean, even Loch Lomond, you can, at the bottom end, if there's a sort of a northwester, you can Mm -hmm. get kind of foot, foot and a half waves. And they can be fun, particularly coming back, surfing in on them. And it changes as well. Like, me me and my friend were in Loch Ard last year, and we swam up and down um, the length of Loch Ard, and on the way up, it was like glass, and on the way down, it was like being in a washing machine. And you just never know, you never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Yep. Um, well, that's another reason for actually spending a bit of time working out mm-hmm. uh, what you're doing, where you're going to go, because you can actually, f- even if you don't like rough conditions in Loch Lomond, for example, mm-hmm. uh, swimming uh, in close to the shore on the western side can be nice and calm. Mm-hmm. Swimming out in the middle can be rough because you're protected by the trees and close to the shore. Yeah. So you can actually partly choose where you swim depending on what the conditions are to avoid or to get the conditions that you want to try. And you get boat traffic as well in Loch Lomond, places boat like Loch Lomond. Is, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, we'll a... come on to that when we talk yeah. about choosing where and the issues that uh, there are to do with but that. They, it does create waves, doesn't it, when you're... Oh, it does, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing as well, I think, for everybody is to practice sighting um, head up doggy or head up long doggy is a really nice um, drill to have in there but also just generally practicing your sighting Um, I see a lot of people and I've done it myself and I have done it recently myself is um, using someone else to sight and never use somebody else to sight because you have no idea how 
well they are sighting if they can even see where they are going how many times in a race have you been on someone's toes drafting them thinking this is brilliant i'm getting a good draft and then you look up and realize they've gone miles off course yeah no, no i mean and it's so easy to do because i mean particularly what i find is that the longer i swim the more you kind of get into and the more i get into can i make this nice and smooth and i start thinking about you know, techniques. So it's not about applying extra effort. It's about trying to make things smooth, stopping mm-hmm. your arms, doing funny things through the water, becoming jerky and try to keep the things smooth, even taking the pressure off to be smooth. And you just get into this nice rhythm. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no turns to interrupt your swim. No. You can become almost meditative. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, and I think it's one of the things I like about it because it's quite, it's quite kind of like that you know you get in a kind of zen kind of i don't know if it's zen but you get in some kind of just routine Mm -hmm. and you look up and you think bloody hell i'm now heading up the loch not down the loch because i'm now 180 (laughs) degrees from where i wanted to be and it's and it could be 30 strokes Uh we're not talking about no you're swimming um i know there was one guy ricky taylor he's not been around the club for a wee while he did the lahore meadows event Mm -hmm. and ricky's a good swimmer so he set off with the fast group and it was a long swim out short left-hand turn and a long swim back Mm -hmm. so ricky was out with the with the first group and he was swimming quite well and he thought i'm going really great and he did the first turn and he did the second turn and then he found himself back in the slow pack oh god going around the first boy again and back round. oh no <laughs> how did that happen <laughs> yeah you do have to pay attention though i've done yeah, it myself absolutely. suddenly found myself swimming in completely the opposite direction oh, in the middle of a race a piece of advice on sighting mm-hmm. that swim where the, the with the claypotis waves yeah we're swimming back into the shore. Get away from those waves. So there's still two foot waves mm-hmm. heading back to the shore. And I can't really see. I know the shore's a big kind of bay at Ely. And I know roughly where I need to get out. But I can't really quite see it because of the waves. Yeah. And I see one of these, you know, these tall flags that you get. These uh-huh. tall flags that wave in the wind. There was a bright there was a bright yellow one of these. And I thought, oh, great. You put one of these up at the finish. I'll head for that. Yeah. So swimming along, sighting, swimming along, sighting, swimming along, sighting. Oh, no, that's not a flag. It's a windsurfer. <laughs> <laughs> he was heading to the other side of the bay. <laughs> Whoopsie. So make sure you know what, the, what uh-huh. you're aiming for. The, the other thing in triathlons or swim events, and you'll have experienced this, is you need to work out quite a lot of the time you can't see the boy very well uh-huh. yeah. because of the sun. So... So if you're swimming along, is look where the boy is. Look for something on the shore, like a prominent tree yeah. or a notch in the hillside or something in the hillside that's much higher up that you can see easier mm-hmm. when you're still a distance away from the boy. And if you get these things lined up, that's fine. And as you get closer to the boy, you'll be able to see the thing on the shore and then you'll be able to see the boy. Yeah. So working out what you need to actually sight for each of the legs is is, is quite yeah, quite and work out the route as well. Like I, I, I did a race once in um, the Thames, and it was at point to point, and yeah. um, they had these huge, huge boys in the middle, a uh, big, you know, the big triangular ones. Yeah. Um, and on it was the distance written in tiny, tiny letters that nobody could see. <laughs> so I had no idea where I was, and Dougie, I swam straight past the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> Done that. <laughs> I just kept going. <laughs> I'm Do you have a passport coming from the Netherlands? I know, I know. 
That's, that's a very classic Kate thing to do, to be fair, is just oh, yeah. to keep going. But um, no, yes, work out where you're going, work out your boots. Um, and yeah, t- I think take, taking it back to uh, like a sort of more... Um, Normal. More, <laughs> more triathlon focus. Um, pra- like use your open water swim sessions to practice transition and to practice cycling after as well. And I know it sounds yeah. really obvious, but most people don't ever yeah. do it um, getting your wetsuit off fast as well aha uh-huh, yeah that's it set set yourself up with a transition get your wetsuit off fast practice getting on the bike because if you, you know if you've ever done a race in scotland where it's been 12 or 13 degrees and you've had to get on your bike after it's bloody awful yeah. Try, trying to find your legs like where have my legs gone they've gone They've gone numb. <laughs> yeah, trying to put, trying to clip a helmet on. Uh huh. Yeah, when your hands are all cold yeah. and yeah, so definitely like I think use this time in the next couple of months because I think races will probably not start until July at the earliest now. Yeah. Um, use this time getting out in the water to practice all these things because like even if it, you know, if you're an elite or a you know a high performing triathlete, like if you can save yourself ten seconds. That's, Sometimes that 10 seconds is important. It doesn't have any effect on my races. Well, listen, some of us are mere mortals. Yeah. <laughs> it's more just... I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer if you can't, there's no point in being mediocre and I'll never be very good, so I'm quite happy to be towards the tail end. <laughs> I, I, did, I, did, I did win an event I took part in. It was one of these tri-adventure challenges. Uh-huh. I was first in my age category. Good. I was also last in uh-huh. my age category. Listen, <laughs> you you knew that was coming. I knew, you? I knew, Dougie, because I've been there, and you take that win. You take oh, it absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I remember last. my first ever swim race when I was about eight or nine. I remember phoning my dad on the payphone and saying, "I got a bronze medal, Dad," and he was so proud, Dougie. And I didn't tell him that there was only three people. Doesn't matter. Race. You've got to be in it to win it. Got my bronze. <laughs> Um, okay, so I've just remembered something else about open water swimming that oh, yeah. we didn't touch on is goggles. Particularly, this is particularly mm-hmm. for triathlon. Yeah, uh, goggles that are tinted or polarized yeah. are quite important. Triathlons tend to take place; open water tend to take place in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, heading into uh, the exit point with the sun low in the horizon above yeah. the exit point. If you've got ordinary goggles you might use in the pool, you're not going to be able to see anything other than glare and even a polarizing or a or a sun yeah, what they call sunglass type lens, it's going to be difficult. But yeah. um, and that's yeah. fair. However, I would stipulate that I have two pairs of um, yeah. tinted goggles. In fact, I've got three pairs of goggles. I've got normal goggles, clear goggles for the pool, and also actually generally just for Scotland in general because my other two polarised pairs, well, one's dark and one's sort of medium, um, generally in Scotland, I can't see a bloody thing if I put them on. Yeah. So, But having it said that, yeah. it is a balance. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been in races like the ghost, uh, one of the swim, swim Loch Lomans, uh, the great Scottish swim that used to be on. Yeah. I remember that uh, exactly as you say, the sun was low on the rise and I couldn't see a thing. I think I did the 10k that year and I couldn't, <laughs> every loop I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't see yeah. where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it's really important. I, I don't go specific as you. What I do is I'll have two pairs of goggles, but what I do is I have a pair that I keep for open water swimming mm-hmm. and I'll use them for a year or two. And then when I lose or I destroy the other ones, I'll demote these to my pool swims and I'll get a new pair for open water. Yeah. And it's just that they stay clearer for longer if they're slightly newer. Yeah. So I basically swim with a tinted, gla- tinted ga- glasses in the pool as well because... It, it doesn't bother me in a pool not being able to see very well. 
Yeah. And they're good enough in pools. You know, it's it's bright, the water's clear. Yes. Yeah. In most pools. That's true, in most <laughs> pools. I, not my little garden pool. <laughs> um, right, let's go. We, I want to just quickly talk about um, locations. Like, how do we choose a location? Yeah. So are we going to swim in a lock? Are we going to swim in a reservoir? Are we going to swim in the sea? What do you think? I think, it, I mean, it depends partly on what you've got available to you. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, during- at the moment. Yeah, during lockdown, the only option for a, for me last summer was to use a reservoir. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the issues to do with the reservoirs? Well, there, there's big signs all over them saying, do not swim, danger, keep <laughs> out, do not swim, this is deep water. Well, we want the water to be deep, it's what we swim in. Yes. Um, we've had people in touch with the Scottish Water Board and there is no issues in terms of people swimming in reservoirs there's no issues of access because of the access codes in scotland there are no locks that are fishing only and you can't swim here Mm -hmm. Um, we had an issue with a fisherman who got a bit irate at the white lock um, but somebody went and checked and the scottish water said yes they have the right to fish here and they have permits and all this kind of stuff but they don't have the right to stop anybody else using it there are specific issues to do with reservoirs stay away from outfall areas Mm -hmm. that's generally the tower at the dam Um, there are some locks where they some reservoirs where there's an area that they can bring significant quantities of water in yeah and i think one of the dams is in the Carron valley where they aerate the water Uh aha yes and there's big signs everywhere so the problem with outtakes with the outfalls is they can open to get a quantity of water from one reservoir to another and large quantities of water going out of that very rapidly. Yeah. But if you stay 100 metres away from these kind of areas, there isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the aeration issue is also something that you stay away with because if they aerate it, the water's not as buoyant. Yeah. Uh, and with water coming rapidly in, it's less of a problem because it'll push you into the lock. You know, so it might be a wee bit uncomfortable because you're being pushed away from where you want to go yeah. for. But it's not dangerous in the sense that you will be drawn towards an outfall. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's the outfalls and any aeration. And I think the Karen Valley Reservoir is the only one I've heard of. But there will be others. I mean, Mogai, like, I, yeah, you would not get me swimming in Mogai Reservoirs yeah. at all. Um, and I don't think anybody would ever swim in them because they are working reservoirs and there's a lot going on in them. Um, but I think yeah. that comes down to local knowledge as well, doesn't it? It's about yeah. asking the questions. You know, there's hundreds of groups online now, but yeah. Wild West Swimmers is for sure the place to go and... I think they've got they've now got on their website they've got locations to swim a, a map with locations to swim haven't yeah they? so if you go on to if you're on Facebook and you go onto Wild West Swimmers um onto the files section um there is maps there's lockdown maps as well so you can kind of see what's available in lockdown but ultimately for us I mean I may as well I'll just say it since we're here at the moment we have got available in or around the area um as ABs uh, which is Mugdocks technically Stirlingshire but you can illegally get there from Glasgow um, because it's just on the border Um, there's White Loch where you swim um, there's Carron Valley there's the Barhead Reservoirs as well yep and is there Balgray is that right? Balgray as well yeah Yeah. I haven't swum there but people have swum it might it might just be in for Glasgow. Yeah, and there's there's Fanny Side Lock as well, which I think some people swim in. I'm not sure about the access to that, but if yeah. you if you go onto Wild West Swimmers, then you will find all of that information. Um, and you can also just find people to swim with as well. Um, and yeah. 
I would always suggest, um, and you, you've touched upon it, is just about the right to roam. I generally do always avoid known known fishing spots and and land yes, land yeah. that is owned by fishermen because I don't really want to annoy them and I don't really mm. want to swim with lots of stock fish stock because it's uh, not that nice. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree entirely with you. And there are some locks on the south side that we've had a look at and avoided from that point of view. Yeah. The reason that we use the white lock is it's a place I've cycled past hundreds of times i have seen somebody fishing in it once mm-hmm. yeah um, so, so it's not a popular commonly used there's another wee lock that we cycle past on the way up to the a back road up to eaglesham moor <clears throat> there's always half a dozen people fishing in that yeah. anywhere near it no um, and you've got to think so, about um you've got to think about nature reserves as well because i'm actually quite surprised yeah. how often i see people asking well can we swim here and you know well no you can't because it's a nature reserve <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, we've got to be. It's it's why some of the reservoirs are actually okay Mm -hmm. because they're actually a managed bit of water, but it it's they're not normally a a a, a nature reserve. Some might be. Yes, but nature reserves are normally clearly clearly identified. Clearly marked. Yeah, and you know, it's just you know, it's plate, and it gives it gives us swimmers a good name if we're respectful of uh, our boundaries, And, and, and not a lock that's the access is outside somebody's door. Aye, well, that's another thing, isn't it? Yeah. All these people with locks outside their door, I'm very jealous. Yeah, lock hard. I know. <laughs> There's even one with a floating <laughs> pontoon and steps to get back in. Oh, God, I know. Do you know what? Because we, we swim the length of lock hard uh, all the time in summer, and every time I always have a wee stop and a wee nose <laughs> outside <laughs> that house. Like, one day, one day I'll have that house. Um, that's... Yeah, that's quite a fun swim, swimming up the river into through these pools and into Lockhart. So lovely. Don't do it if you don't like weeds. No. <laughs> uh, but it's but it's nice, and the weeds are quite thing quite uh, easy to get rid of and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but swimming into the lock, we it was quite challenging. The time I did it, the flow out of the lock was quite significant, so uh. you were having to work quite hard. So that ties in with putting having to put a bit of speed work in. <laughs> that's yeah. Get your speed and strength working. Um, I mean, I think I think lock swimming in general is pretty straightforward. There's, there's not really much to yeah. consider other than who uses it. Um, and then the sea is a whole yeah. other kettle of fish, isn't it? I think the main problem with locks, and it's particularly true of Loch Lomond, I will not go and swim in Loch Lomond on a Friday evening or no. a Saturday or a Sunday. No. Uh, because, you know, at the south end, because you've got boats, jet skis... Jet skis are a nightmare. Oh, uh, if I if I have been swimming with jet skis and jet skiers in, if I see them going in as we are going into the water, I'll normally go and have a wee chat with them. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, just so you're aware, there's a group of people swim in this, uh, close to the shore and in this slow zone, um, you know, just to make you aware that there'll be people swimming in there because they won't necessarily be aware of it. We should all have toe floats. I said, it's quite nice to know that there's the odd craft in the water that if we got into difficulty, you could get to us quickly. Mm-hmm. And they quite like that normally if you say that. So if you approach them and just say, you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not saying you're an arse, even although I think some of the people <laughs> that drive them are. I shouldn't have used that in a podcast. That's you know? fine. I've said bloody about three times, so we're fine. So, you know, I'll try and speak to them because I think engaging with people is much better. But there are big power boats, and one of the problems with big power boats and uh, speed boats, people are sitting behind a screen. Yeah. And you don't see as well if you're behind a screen. No. You get people coming in and they're going into the marina mm-hmm. uh, at Cameron House, and they should be doing 
six knots and you know if they've got a white if a boat's got a white wake on the bow of it if you can see the very clear white wake in the bow of a boat it's going fast it's going faster than it should be yeah and you need to be thinking about stopping and making yourself as big as possible and waving yeah to try and get their attention because yeah. they may well not have seen you that's right most boaters are absolutely perfect yes that's true um one thing, and you say that as a boater, of course, Dougie. <laughs> oh, no, no, because well, I, I, I do know that I do know what you quite often don't see. Yes. Because I boat, you know, kind yeah, of, exactly. and I swim as well. It's a wee bit like being a driver and a cyclist. Yep. As a cyclist, you become aware of what you sometimes don't see, particularly at roundabouts. Yes, you know, that's of, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing to look out for in lochs in Scotland over summer and actually over winter is blue-green algae. Yes. Um, you'll see that it's very, very obvious to me anyway that what blue-green algae is. It's literally blue-green algae at the sides of the loch. It looks blue-green. It's um, blue-green. It's almost it's a it's it's turquoisey and it's almost it's like a bright. Ah, uh-huh, it's lovely looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But avoid it. But it's also it can be black at the edges. Ah, uh-huh. yep. Um, if you get a combination of black at the edges and blue green in the water, mm-hmm. stay away. And Don't I let your dog drink there. No, and I I once actually made the mistake of letting the dog out before checking at Loch Lomond, and there was blue green algae. Well, I just about had kittens, but she was fine. Um, but it just goes to show, like always check before you get in, have a good look. Um, yeah. and up and down, especially somewhere like Millerocky Bay in Loch Lomond where you might have a bloom at one end um, and yeah just just to be mindful of that and uh, stay stay well away from it because it, yeah. you, you just won't make you feel very well and um, you can but, also but our, report yeah. it sorry I was going to yeah. say you can report it to SEPA and you can report it to like if you're in Loch Lomond in the Loch Lomond and um, Trossachs National Park you can report yeah. it to Mugdock Rangers or your local authority if you see it it's good to know the Wild West swimmers, because they, I mean, I probably wouldn't be doing triathlon if there was as many people open water swimming as there are now, Yeah. Um, because it's what I wanted to do. But uh, the Wild West swimmers is a wonderful source of information. The people yeah. on that are really helpful and there's huge numbers of them swimming in a much wider range of places than we would do. I mean, we mm-hmm. would typically swim Loch Lomond, yeah. Loch Hard occasionally as a difference and then do triathlon events and that yeah. would be about it. Um, but there's, there's a, I mean, the one benefit of blue-green algae, I went up to Lockhart on a Friday evening mm-hmm. to swim, um, and uh, there was blue-green algae we discovered once we get in. So we quickly got out and jumped in the car and discovered Loch Hon. Oh, yay! Which is, a, which is one of my favourite lochs. I've only swum there about four times, but it's still one of my favourite lochs. Well, that was going to be my next question. Where are your favourite yeah. spots to oh, swim? Well, no, that's a, well, there's a whole raft there. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's just a surprise how good it was because you go into a wee bay mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to be very much. That's perfect. And you think this will be, the water's nice. Mm-hmm. And then you swim out beyond the headland and the bay and you've just got this great view and a couple of islands to swim to and stuff like that. It's lovely. There's so a lot wonderful. of a lot of campers, a lot of fishermen camp at Loch John. So just remember that if you're going. Yeah. Um, and there can also be a lot of glass um, at that little beach. So, And that's another yeah. thing I want to touch upon was cleaning up after yourself. Yay. Please yeah. always take a bag if you're going anywhere. Stick some rubbish in it who's ever rubbish I don't care stick it in because last year in particular I think was the worst year I have ever seen any of the locks in and around yeah. Glasgow um, for rubbish because we were all stuck obviously yeah. a bag a pickup stick yeah. or gloves and hand sanitizer yeah wipes whatever it takes so yeah. that you can you can protect yourself as well as tidy up yeah um what was I going to say about that? Um, we didn't really cover well, the sea there. We didn't really cover the sea, right? The, the main issues with the sea, 
If you're swimming on a beach, it's generally okay. If you decide to do a longer swim and you're swimming around headlands, there are some areas where there are quite strong currents. Yeah. And, you know, a strong current for a boat that does 30 knots has got to be about eight, nine knots. Yeah. A strong current for a swimmer can be half a knot, so that's that's about a kilometre an hour. Yeah. If you're swimming against that, that's quite a lot. But as importantly, it can actually, if you get a breeze blowing against the direction of tidal flow, you can get a strong, quite a strong chop. Yeah. There's a wee area just at the corner of, before you go round into Millport Bay, if you're going down from Largs Marina, down round into Millport Bay, there's a wee corner near where the Marine Research Station is. Mm-hmm. I've seen it almost flat cam and there'd be two foot waves and a hundred square metre bit of that. And it's just something to do with the airflow and tidal flows at the time. Yeah. So there are some things like that. But the other issues in the sea is it's salt water, so you can't drink it. Otherwise, you know, whereas I probably do drink some water in some of the locks. Not, I'm not seeking to drink it. I just... <laughs> just happens. I just do and I don't bother about it. Yeah. Um, and it's never done me any harm, honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's salt water. But the other issue you get in the sea is you get jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Jellyfish. That's why I don't get in the sea very often. Right, so the little the little moon jellyfish, which are the little see-through ones with the four wee circles yeah. in them, they don't really sting. Okay. They do have a sting, but you can pick them up. You can um lion's mane jellyfish, which are the ones that have this kind of red in the middle of them. Yeah. They're stingy. Yeah. Unfortunately, they have quite long tentacles, so you can be stung and you haven't seen them. Yeah. I have seen one of them sitting out in a beach that was a metre in diameter. Oh, jeez. And the other one are barrel jellyfish. They're really quite pretty. Mm-hmm. They're white. Okay. I don't know if they sting all that much. Okay. The fortunate thing is, in general, the jellyfish we have around are those three, and the lion's mane, although it stings, it's like a, it's like a nettle mm-hmm. sting. And if you're wearing a wetsuit, it tends to be just on your hands oh, your and just on your face. face. Yeah, and it's but it's like a nettle sting, and the advice is, don't pee on it. Okay. <laughs> don't use vinegar. Wash it, and you can try scraping it with a credit card or something like that to try okay. and don't rub it because you just basically spread it all over your face. Right. Okay. Um, but we're fortunate that there aren't that many of them. Mm-hmm. However, uh, j- jellyfish. Hmm, I. Lexi, who some of you will know that was in the club, decided to do Keltman. Oh, God. And the people that were doing uh, support for her had to pull out, and Julie and I were going to be on holiday up in that area. So we said, we'll do support for you. <laughs> so I had gone and done, it was the year I was doing that stupid 10K swim down the the River Spey. Yeah. So I needed to get some swim practice in. So I'd swum at uh, Sands Bay up at Gaelock, and that was quite nice. But there was a few jellyfish in the water. Um, but not many, just the little moon ones. Mm-hmm. And when we met up with Lexi, I said, oh, you might want to get in because it's possible there could be some jellyfish. And Lexi was a bit freaked by this because she comes from Malta and there most of the jellyfish are badly stingy. Yeah. Um, so we went in in Shieldbeg Bay and it was a lovely evening, flat cam for a swim. Water up there is quite cold, but it was fine. It must have been above 10. And we swam out and it was all fine. No sign of any jellyfish until we got about 100 metres off the shore. 
And then it wasn't so much jellyfish in the water as water around the jellyfish. And they were all on the surface. So as you swam through them, you would put your hand into this mass of jellyfish. Now, I'd swum with a few jellyfish, and I discovered while it's not pleasant, it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Lexi was screaming the village down, never mind the house down. (laughs) And I discovered how I could swim faster than Lexi. I just need to swim in jellyfish. Oh, God, that's horrendous. Yeah. She did borrow my wetsuit gloves for the event. Oh, fair enough. I don't blame her. Oh. I like to look at jellyfish, but I don't love to be around them, yeah. I must say. It's, it's, it's worthwhile, maybe at some point with your daughter, if you're somewhere where there's some little moon jellyfish mm-hmm. in the water, it's just getting her to pick them up. Okay. Just a wee one. And because you can hold it in your hand and you just get a, it's just quite interesting. Oh. I was always wary of them until we, I was away with a kayak club and they were doing that with some of the kids. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I never knew that. I always thought they'd just sting you. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting, but lion's mane. Nah. Yeah, avoid, avoid. And you do get them avoid. a lot on the west coast of Scotland, don't you? Yep. Yes. And the other thing is the sea is much more variable in terms of waves and currents wind and currents and all sorts of stuff yep and um uh, my brain is gone because it's half past 10 at night and we're doing this um where the river comes into the sea river's coming into the seas yeah yeah where you've you've got mixture of water and stuff like it's the same with rivers going out of locks you know yes to be to be watched yeah um the one thing i was going to say about where to swim um and should you ever swim on your own? Mm-hmm. So you do, I have done. Uh, and my advice is, is really to think is to think about safety. Yep. Um, so when I was training to do some of the long swims, I was thinking about where I could swim eh, that wasn't too far away from home. And so one of the places I chose to swim, I didn't actually do it before the event, I did it after, yeah. was to swim round in Stavanagh. Oh, yeah. And the reason I chose, and you know, some people had swum round Loch Bard, you know, swum round mm-hmm. the edge like Mark and Alan Kenny, Mark Cohen and Alan Kennedy. But you get very far away from your starting point if Aye. you need to get out. So I worked on the basis if I swim round this island, then if I get too tired on the far side of the island, a wee pair of trainers in my tow float bag, walk across the island and swim the couple of hundred metres back yeah. across. But because I'm close to the shore, there aren't going to be any boats there. Mm-hmm. So I need to check that it's okay as I swim across to the island. And as I swim round, if I'm close to the shore, if I get into difficulty, I can get ashore. There won't be any boats there. And Inchkailioch, which is the one from Balmaha, is similar. You've got a wee short channel from the pier that you could get boats coming in. They should be going slowly, but they don't always. Yeah. And then you can swim around close to the island and there won't be any, you know, won't be any boats going fast close to the island. Mm-hmm. Problem you can get onto the island, walk back, swim the distance. So that that's the kind of rule of thumb that I I'll kind of try and operate. Even with other, you know, other people if there's only one or two of you. It's yeah. you know, going around Lockhard, swimming around Lockhard's fine. If there's a couple of you very strong swimmers. Uh, beside each other. Beside each other. Yeah. I did hear of one event that one of the Wild West winners had where somebody dislocated their shoulder oh, while swimming, yeah. mm-hmm. which I've never heard of. I know that person and she had that's a genetic thing, yeah. All right. So but 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 
and I may have got you may know more about it, but they were helped ashore by a couple of other swimmers. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they had tow floats. Oh yes, no. Mm-hmm. And and but tow float a tow float would allow you to support yourself to yes. a degree yeah. with the good arm. Yes. Uh, and help people tow you ashore. That's true. Get you back to shore. I am um, I mean I, I, I do swim alone and I would always suggest to somebody if they are thinking about swimming alone then do tell people i think when we get into this culture of saying you can't do that you should never do that it it kind of creates an atmosphere where you actually don't want to say you're doing it and that's just as dangerous so my rule of thumb is yeah i I do exactly the same as if i'm going into the mountains by myself or going out for a cycle by myself i tell chris what i'm wearing where i'm going how long i'll be in the water for when i will phone him how i will phone him because Often I'm in places that I don't have any reception, so I'll say I will be able to phone you when I get to Aberfoyle or whatever yep. it is. Um, I have my tow float, contact details. Um, yeah, I, t- it's just common sense. Yeah. I stick to the shore as well. Like all these things, I think if you're I mean, going to do it, then. I think you're reinforcing the point I'm trying to make that mm-hmm. kind of having become more experienced than when you're going to swim, one of the things you're thinking about is. What is safe like me just say it doesn't matter how many people I won't go swimming in Loch Lomond on a Friday evening if the weather's no. nice. Yeah. If the weather's completely pants, I might. Yeah. But if the weather's good, I won't. Uh, mm-hmm. So all the time I'm thinking, is this place okay? Loch Lomond's busy with boats, you know, kind of down mm-hmm. around Largs, down near the marina, it's busy with boats. But if you swim up the shore towards Largs, it's not. Yeah. Because it's quite shallow and it gets rocky, so boats stay away from there. So all the time you're kind of thinking what is safe, what is okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm going on my own, it's a completely different thing. Yep. Swimming in the dark. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's 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 really interesting. Uh-huh. I've done that a few times in Lockhart. Once by mistake. <laughs> we got there, we got there a bit late. And by the time we got into the water, we swam out from the bay around the island. But you could see lights of the village hall and the houses, mm-hmm. so you knew where you were going. But you couldn't really see one another. No. Now, it wasn't any more, you weren't any more likely to get into danger. Mm-hmm. And because there were people around and it was quiet, you could attract their attention. Yeah. But because it's dark, there was a kind of heightening well we saw some of the sunset and and then there was a kind of heightened awareness as you were swimming in the dark yeah yeah and and that kind of that's interesting and it was quite that's i think there's maybe a wee adrenaline kick that you yeah. get that, that makes it that makes it <laughs> enjoyable yeah to the extent that we plan to go in the next week and do it in the dark but uh yeah. Uh, and you know, and with tow floats, you can actually take a glow stick and tie it to your tow float yeah. to make the swimmers more visible. To and that's what we do at Starman. Like well, we have we have a to- yeah. um, in our uh, swim caps. We have uh, in your swim caps. Oh, that's a good yeah, idea. Glow yeah. sticks. But um, I would say as well. I mean, you can get you can get under uh, underwater torches as well. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a good, it's good fun. It's harder when it's choppy if you're doing front crawl because you do get smashed in the face with waves. So I'd always like, if you're not doing it in a race and there are nighttime events out there, um, then it's nice just to do a bit of head up breaststroke in it and just sort of yeah. enjoy but, the and, atmosphere. And times, why do you get hit in the, in the face with the with waves? Well, if it's, because it's dark? Well, if it's choppy, you can't, yeah. you can't see what way they're blowing. So you can't. So 2019 in Starman was very, very choppy. All right. And you have no idea where the wave is. So you come up to breathe or to sight the 
the lights and you get smacked in the face with a wave because you can't oh, see yeah. them. Yeah. Um, it was it was that so probably one of the only swims I've not actually enjoyed. Right. Um, I've done Starman before and it's been wonderful, but that was a, that was a tough swim. It was very choppy and yeah, you just you can't yeah. see can't see the waves, so you don't know what, what side to breathe on. Or but obviously if you're just going in for a splash about, then it's it's a different story. Yes, yeah. lovely, yeah. highly recommended. Yeah. Um, to finish up. Uh, I wanted to say Ian Todd was talking about his blogs. Ian Todd has written a few blogs on reviews of like local swim spots, so definitely right, go and I haven't seen them, so that would be good to that'd be good to go and find them. They're on his website, Twin Bike Run. Um where is right, your yeah, I've not looked at that. You have a look. Um I'll put a link in when I publish this podcast. But where yeah. where is your favourite local place to swim, Dougie, and where do you wish you were swimming right now? <sighs> Hey, nowhere outdoors because it's too cold. Oh. Um, my favourite, the the, the lo- local to Glasgow, it's quite difficult. Um, Loch Ons one of my favourite. It's not a place I would go swimming regularly, but it's a you know it's a Friday evening treat. Aye. Or Loch Ard, yeah, a Friday evening treat. Yep. Um, the, you know, locally, they, those are they, that they would be my favourite swim spots. I've become quite fond of babies because it's. Just so convenient, and it. because it's only ten minutes down the road. Not Abies, I mean White Lock. White Lock, yeah. I'm not, I'm not swimming Abies. I hate Abies. White Lock because it's so close, and you can jump on the motorway to drive home. Yeah, I'll come out the water. I'll get my wetsuit. I'll put my robey on. Mm-hmm. I'll get my wetsuit off. I'll get my tri suit off, and I'll just jump in the car and drive home. Yeah, and remember that if I'm actually going to go to the shops on the way home to get <laughs> something to get changed and put some pants on. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good. Listen, I pick Ailey up in my dry robe. I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah, no, no, but it's but it's just <laughs> nice that you can do that. Whereas I wouldn't do that coming home from Loch Lomond, partly because yeah. I'll stop and get coffee for myself and Julie on my way home from that. Um, I was reading some of his reviews actually of some of these lochs. So my my favourites as well are Loch Ard and Loch Ton, and also I swim at Loch Lubnig a lot. And I would say it is a bit further out, but when restrictions lift, a lot of people swim at Loch Lubnig. So if you're nervous or like me, if I so if I want to do go and do a ten k, I find it quite hard to find to find other people to swim with. But yeah, I always too fast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's well, it's more just that like there's not that many people that want to swim for a long time. But if you That's go true. to somewhere like Loch Lubig, it's really busy and there's always a lot of swimmers. So you can always say, "Hi, I'm going in for an hour, or I'm going in for twenty minutes. Can you just uh, how long will you be here for? Keep an yeah. eye on me, you know." And that, that's yeah. quite useful. I have swum at Loch Lubnig on the far side from the road uh-huh. when there was nobody swimming there at all mm. many, many, many years ago. And it was lovely. So lovely. It's beautiful. <laughs> nobody else swimming, just just me, the me the idiot, enjoying myself. And it's quite deep water, but it was close to the shore where the cycle path goes along the old railway line. Uh-huh. And it was lovely to swim in. Well, and again, there was other people, you know, Julie and some other people were there, so I wasn't. Although I was in the water on more, and there was other people oh. around, but I was never more than about fifteen feet from the shore. No, that's it. It's very you know, narrow. It was nice and deep. And Lockhart's um, a bit like that as well. Um, uh, Ian gave Lockhart five stars for various things, but two out of five for other people because he said it was very busy and there's usually a lot of boats on the loch now. To be Lockhart. fair, at Lockhart, yeah, but I always swim very early in the morning, so maybe that's why I don't see a lot of people. Yeah, but... I swim in Friday evenings there generally because it's I'm not a morning person and Friday evenings it's a nice start to the weekend if we're not doing anything. But it's not really busy with boats. You can get sailing boats, but there's no big 
motor cruisers. There's no, no fast. The only fast craft there are the sailing boats. There's, boats. And there's fishermen as well. But yeah, but they are not in fast boats. No, yeah, I, and, and also I, I think yeah. on a sunny a sunny day. Um, on a, a sunny Saturday, it can get very busy at the Kinloch yeah. Hard End, but you don't yeah, need to don't swim go from that. Yeah, well, no. go up to Loch then. That's yeah, quite... exactly. It's only up the road, ten minutes. Yeah. It's the dream. Um, and what? A... You, Sorry, you talked about most significant or most spectacular place to yes. swim. Yes, tell me. Across Village Bay in St Kilda. Oh. And when you turn onto your back, there are thousands of birds and fulmers flying over you. I think they thought it was some kind of weird. Whale seal, <laughs> and it's one of these things you think, How many people have swum across Village Bay in mm-hmm. St Kilda? Oh. There is now quite a few because there's a swim trek holiday to not swim trek, but there is a, a swim holiday to St Kilda. Okay, well, uh, organized on the boat that we went. We went out to St Kilda to do some kayaking. Uh-huh. I was really, really inexperienced, still, still am, and uh-huh. kayaked around St Kilda. It was gobsmacking, and I took the opportunity to swim across Village Bay. Beautiful. Uh, just in my own, no toe float. <sighs> uh, interesting observation. The kayak lead was a guy called Murty, who mm-hmm. was also the Stornoway lifeboat skipper. And because I was swimming in quite flat, calm water, and because he's the lifeboat skipper, he was keeping a lookout. Oh. And his comment was, you were really, really hard to spot, even although I knew mm-hmm. where you were. Yeah. Because all there was was a bright swim hat, and yeah. a lot of the time that's in the water. Mm-hmm. But to turn on your back and have fulmers flying about, oh, you lovely. felt as if you could reach up and just touch them was just. That's proper wild swimming up there, isn't it? Gobsmacking, gobsmacking. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the mermaid's tail that's on? I've BBC not watched Alpha? it yet. No, I've not watched it. I mean, oh, to. she doesn't do a huge amount of swimming, but it's it's lovely about the place and the people, and yeah. just the swimming that she does is just great. Oh, Three episodes. Lovely. I've still got one to watch. I've never been to St Kilda, but it's on my list of places. It's to it's not the easiest places to. Get. There was no guarantee we would get there. Yeah. Uh, just because we were only there for three nights and then we had to come away because the weather turned. It'd be chilly though, was it in the water? It was chilly, but we swam off another island as well with just beautiful, clear, white sandy bottom, clear sunny day with fabulous water reflecting. You know, you kind of off the bottom of the, you know, almost off the bottom of the sand, you know, you mm-hmm. get that pattern of the sunlight with, affected by the ripples on the surface. Gorgeous. Fantastic. Great. Oh, thank so you. basically, anywhere up the West Coast with nice, <laughs> a nice beach, you know. <laughs> anywhere that's not Abies for me at the moment is... <laughs> yeah, well, I've never swum there and I, I don't really intend to. It's not um, the best. The white lock's nearer and it's better quality from what I've gathered. Yeah, Abies is not great water quality and it's also very, very busy at the moment. But um, If I was going to Abies, I would must. make the extra journey and go to Lockhart when restrictions are Oh, I can't wait. Lockhart is within sniffing distance for me. <laughs> oh, that's annoying. It's going to be the first place on the 26th. Could, could you get to Aberfoyle and swim up the river? Uh, well, do you know what? <laughs> I could cycle because it's, it's actually only about 10 miles from uh, the border. I'm not far from the border. Um, so I could I could cycle it. Yeah, I think it's fifteen miles from here. Actually, is that about? The problem is the after drop with the cold water because Lockhart is fed from the back end of the Loch Lom- of Ben Lomond. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, as yeah. is Loch On, so it could be cold if there's snow in the hills. Yeah, listen, that's been lovely to talk to you about swimming, and I, honestly, we I know we could both talk about it for ever. Forever. 
But um, I'll post those links to those other podcasts, one about cold water, one about swim training in the pool when the pool's open, which is the 26th of April. And this podcast may not even be out yep. by then, but hopefully it will be. <laughs> but, but we should be just about, even I should just about be starting swimming not long after that. Good. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's been lovely just having this week in a chat. The one thing I should say to people is you don't have to go and swim 10K and 5K. No. Just go and swim. <laughs> Just go and swim novice distance, standard 750 metres. If you're doing training with the club or a club in the pool, you'll normally do 1,700 to 2,500 metres in a normal session. So although it seems a long way, uh, it's not really. And oh, just... Another fav- another favourite place to swim is across the Corrie Brecon. Oh, I've never I've done s- that. I've, I've done it twice. Did you not get a bit scared? It's a whirlpool. There's a whirlpool. I've been in there in the boat with oh, the stuff oh. raging, with standing six foot waves behind us and the the water flowing through it at eight knots, and it's oh, it'd spectacular. Be sick. <laughs> but be uh, sick. a wee a wee story you can put in the post or not. Uh, Leslie Mackey turned up at the club a number of mm-hmm. years ago. You know Leslie and Alan uh-huh. Mackey. Yeah. And Leslie could barely swim two lengths breaststroke. Yeah. And this was in January. And the first thing she said to me was, eh, I'm booked to swim across the Corrie Brecon in August. Do you think I'll be okay? <laughs> <laughs> she had never open water swim. Oh, she could barely swim. I love that though. That's the that's that's my favourite kind of attitude. Just check out, yeah, it'll be yeah. fine. She'd only swum open water in Loch Lomond about four weeks before the thing. Brilliant. And she went up and somebody pulled out, so I got a chance to go up and do it with her. Oh. and the other Alan and some other people mm-hmm. and she did it with a wee set of fins and doing a sort of breaststroke and partly front crawl and apart from anything else with this a fast flowing it's it's like 200 feet deep a kilometer wide and it all travels through about eight knots at, you mm-hmm. know in the flood tide it's a completely mental place they do it at slack water be about 20 minutes 30 minutes at the most to get across oh jeez and two-thirds of the way across. I'd swum it once before, so I was interested in the experience of it rather than getting there. So two-thirds of the way across, I said to Leslie, well, are you enjoying it yet, Leslie? And this face looked at me kind of with this big eyes, kind of through, <laughs> you could see through the goggles. I don't know, I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> but she did it, and you've got to take your hat off to Absolutely. It. You can't see any roads. You can't see any houses. It's, it's really remote from that point of view yeah but she 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 did it and you just go you know the other folk that did it yeah great great achievement and stuff like that but that was that's amazing so far out her starting point so far away from her starting uh-huh. point. i think it's wonderful to be part of outside most of our comfort zones as well yeah but, but you, you you would go and do it and it would be you know you would you would enjoy it and it would mm. be easy and you'd do it well within the time <laughs> i have the fear we, though we were followed by a seal <laughs> And the first time I went to do it, I, I wasn't allowed to do it because I needed a heart valve replaced. But I took my boat up and helped provide safety cover. And Lexi, that didn't like the jellyfish, she was getting into the water off the boat as a basking shark swam across the front of the oh, boat. Oh, amazing. That would she be cool. Got, she got back out the water without <laughs> using the steps. <laughs> I love 
basking sharks. Any sharks. I like sharks. All right. I don't mind basking sharks, but the rest of them I'm a bit wary of. Yeah, well, that's fair. I'll trade you, trade you sharks for snakes. I don't like snakes. Yeah. How about seals? Swim, swim uh, being followed by seals. I've uh, swum being followed by seals a few times. That's I, like, quite good I like seals, but, they, they, you know, they can bite, so you don't want to get too close they, to them. They, they don't. They, they're, they're like, they strike. I've been in the water where they'll, you know, you don't go to them, but if you're yes. in the water and they come, they'll come to you and they're, they're kind of like puppies. They'll yeah. kind of, they're curious and they'll come up and at the last minute they'll dart away. Yeah. One, stuff like that, but they're... Funny beasties. I swam once with them. I was in America visiting my friends, and her boyfriend was six foot nine um, and a lifeguard, so he was a really strong swimmer, partly just because he was double the height of anybody else, you know. Um, flippers instead of feet. Yes, yes. And uh, so we swam out in the sea. I think we were in Florida. We went really far out. Um, to be fair, we probably. <laughs> went a wee bit too far out and all of a sudden this thing just hit me on the leg well I just about had a heart I'll bet <laughs> it was a dolphin there was a whole pod of dolphins and it was it was it was incredible because they were all around us but I did just have this fear of oh gosh I hope it's not a mum and her babies and she's going to get annoyed at us and you know you don't ever want to interfere with nature but it it was one of those moments that was incredibly amazing that people pay money for but also I just was a wee bit nervous about it, and I just oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Any, anytime you come across animals in the water in their environment, then it is yeah. a bit, it is a bit freaky, and you've you've got to be very wary of them, particularly anything that's getting towards your size. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And is in their natural environment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, we will end it there. Thank you so much. Thank um, you very much. Thanks. Uh, can't wait to see you at the pool. Yeah, I know. Or in the log somewhere. 